0: Shalom, 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 everyone. Great to see you. Welcome, welcome, World Changers. We are going to have an awesome time tonight. We're going to be reading Joshua chapters 1 through 7. Remember, remember, Joshua chapter 7 is about the story of Achan, which is very, very important for everyone to understand. So I'm really looking forward to get to that chapter, but every chapter is good. So, uh, yes, let's see what we have here on the live chat before we start. Paulina says Shalom everyone Shalom Paulina welcome good to see you abril says Shalom 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 abril great to see you as well the second first says Shalom everyone Shalom the second first Mark says Shalom and one John said 1 John 226 says Shalom Shalom guys welcome as always Psalm 94 says Shalom and good evening one and all <laughs> Shalom and good evening welcome Pamela Good to see you back, Pamela. Joshua. Yes, Joshua. It's going to be an awesome, awesome read for sure. Welcome and blessings as always. Vinny says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Vinny. Good to see you. Colomento says, Shalom, everybody. Shalom, Colomento. And Trevor says, Shalom, brother. Hello, brother. Shalom. Hello. 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 Welcome. And Shalom multiplied to you. All right. So. Let's get into Joshua chapter one. Like I said, uh, as I'm just I just skimmed through like Joshua chapter one through Joshua chapter seven earlier on. And I'm like, okay, you know, this is so so good, especially when, when we get to Joshua chapter seven, speaking about Achan and why and how what Achan did caused the whole nation to be defeated. We're gonna get into that. Okay, so let's start. This is Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them. I got to just interject here because you know, you notice a lot of times God wait I, I'm not it's it's very interesting God waits for certain people to pass away before He does something new or before He does something fresh before He moves on to the next step we we see that in the story of uh, Methuselah just before the flood of, of Noah came right God waited until Methuselah died. Until until you know it wasn't until Methuselah died, then the flood came. And so it seems like, hey, God waited till Moses died. And then after that, it's like, okay, he he now Moses has passed on. We're going to open a new chapter, literally a new book. And you notice how it says the Lord now is speaking to, to Joshua. It never said that before. Not that I can recall, unless you guys want to uh pull up a scripture and uh you know, pointed out to me, but as far as I remember, it never said the Lord spoke to Joshua like that. And so it's like a real transference happened, a real like starting a new chapter. So Moses, uh, so so the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, the, the Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Verse three, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, that, that, what, a, what an uh, an awesome promise. You know, every place your soul, the sole of your foot treads upon, like everywhere you can go is yours. Everywhere you travel is yours. Verse four, from the wilderness at, And this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Very familiar phrase, as we know that Yeshua himself used that. Verse 6, but be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. It seems like, like this is like the primary focus of, like, this is like the primary command right now, you know. Be strong and be very courageous. I'm going to give you the land. Just only, only do this. Just be strong and very courageous. By the way, you guys, if you have, if there's anybody in the live chat and you really want to get my attention and you have a special question that you want me specifically to answer, make sure you uh, put at Christopher in the live chat and I will uh, pay special attention to that. I, I can't and I will read some of the other comments as well but uh I will spend more time on looking for uh comments that are directed specifically for me okay only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you do not turn from it to the right or to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth the torah shall not depart from your mouth that should be a command for the church today right but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, remember the word which Moses the servant of the Lord commanded you, saying, the Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. I find it very, very intriguing that just a little side note here. I find it very, very intriguing that the concept of rest and the promised land is like a package deal. You know, you, uh, you will go to the land and you will find rest. You will, you will be given rest and the land. We read about this rest, by the way, in the Psalms. We also read that about that rest uh, in the book of Hebrews as well. Verse 14. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan. But you shall pass before your your, bro- your brothers armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them until the lord has given your bro- your brothers rest as he gave you and they also have taken possession of the land which the lord your god is giving them then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it which moses the lord's servant gave you on this side of the jordan toward the sunrise so they answered joshua saying all that you command us we will do and wherever you send us we will go just as we heeded Moses and all things. So we will heed you. Only the Lord, your God will be with you as he was with Moses. Only the Lord, your God be with you as he was with Moses, whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. You know what? Like, let me just stop here for a second. I mean, this is the end of chapter one, anyway. But look at this. Look at this. Of course, Joshua. Like, what is all that Joshua commands them? What are the words that that he speaks? That we re, we read about it earlier. It's it's actually the Torah, and in they're saying like. Everybody who does not do all, basically, the commands of the Lord, the Torah, shall be put to death. Uh, let, me, let me just bring this little fact out here. and that Not very many people were put to death in that context, which means it implies that they were obedient to the Torah, like they were in tune with the Torah, 100%, according to this word that we just read. According to this word, whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. Joshua, chapter 2. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from, Aca- from Acacia Grove. In the footnotes. From Shatim as some uh, translations would, would have shatim instead of Acacia Grove, but apparently that's what it means in the Hebrew, means Acacia Grove. To spy secretly, saying, Go, view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, a Rahab, and lodged, lodged there. Lodged there, they lay down there, and it was told the King of Jericho saying, "Behold, men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. Uh, it's like, we caught you, we caught you. Verse three. So the King of Jericho sent to Rahab, saying, Bring out the men uh, who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the country. Then the women, but well, the woman took the two men and hid them. So she said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know they were uh, where they were from. And it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly. For you may overtake them. It's kind of it's kind of funny because it's like, you know, oh they they just left. Go go get them. you know, kind of send send the um uh, the officers away, right? Send them away. You better go right now. You you better go and you'll find them. And like, run, run, okay? It's kind of funny because it's like Rahab had a plan, right? She diverted them, she deceived them, basically. Verse 6. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men pursued them by the road to the Jordan to the forts. As soon as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now, therefore, they lay down. She came up to uh, she came up to them on the roof. And said to the men, "I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint- faint-hearted because of you, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for 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 you. Uh, excuse me, dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites." who were out of the Jordan, Sihon and Og, or Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did, did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, notice, the kindness that she did to them basically saved her, right? And actually, this is in accordance with the Torah. It is in accordance with the Torah. The Torah teaches very plainly that it's because of kindness. A lot of times you're saved. I'm not talking about just just saved as in, well, you know, like, you know, Rahab, she was able to wiggle her way out of trouble with the king no i'm talking about really saved remember in Matthew chapter 25 yeshua did the same thing right he um well he said on the day of judgment basically when all nations are gathered together to him to, uh, basically for for judgment uh, the parable of the sheep and the goats he said that the sheep and the goats will be divided and the sheep he'll say to them basically summarized basically because of your kindness, because of what you did you're saved. come go on into the kingdom of the you know welcome you know enter into the joy of the Lord and to the goats because of what they did or did not do, more like it, they were condemned. now that's the teaching of of Yeshua how he's going to judge everyone on that great and dreadful day. That's what it says. And it's very, very much in tune with what we read here in Joshua, what we've already read in the Torah. Uh, Since, So Rahab is basically begging these spies, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. In the footnotes, a pledge of truth. And share my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land, we will deal kindly and truly with you. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. She She dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterward, you may go your way. So, the men said to her, "We will be blameless of this oath of yours, which you have made us swear, unless, when we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord into through which you let us down, and unless and unless you bring your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your father's household to your own home." So it shall be that whoever goes outside the doors of your house into the street, his blood shall be his own head and we will be guiltless. And whoever is with you in the house, his blood shall be on our head if a man is laid on him or excuse me, if a hand is laid on him. And if you tell this business of ours, then we will be free of your oath, which you made us swear. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And she sent them away and they departed. And she bound the the scarlet cord in the window. They departed and went to the mountain and stayed there three days until the pursuers returned. The pursuers sought them all along the way, but did not find them. So the two men returned, descended from the mountain and crossed over. And they came to Joshua, the son of Nun, and told him all that had befallen them. And they said to to Joshua, by the way, Joshua here in the Hebrew is literally Yeshua. Okay, it's the same name as Jesus, actually. Um, Joshua is a transliteration from the Hebrew Yahushua or Yahshua. But Jesus is a transliteration of the Greek, which is a transliteration of the Hebrew. Uh, Actually, uh, let me just make it more clear here. Jesus, as we have it today, is a modified, modernized transliteration of the Greek Jesus, which is a transliteration of the Hebrew short form of Yahushua, or Yahshua, uh, which is Yeshu. Okay, so we have Yeshu, no, excuse me, let, let's, go right, let's go right to the, the root. Yahushua. Okay, made a little bit shorter, Yeshua, made a little bit shorter, Yeshu. A lot of people were named, uh, well, at least they were called Yeshu um, back in the days of of Yeshua, of Jesus. A lot of people were called Yeshu. We read that through um, some of the ancient Jewish uh, literature. Okay, basically, Yeshu is a Hebrew uh, it's almost like Joshua and Josh, like we have today. A lot of people call them Josh, right? Um, and But on their birth certificate, it says Joshua. But nobody really calls them Joshua. They, everybody calls them Josh. In the same way, back in those days, nobody really called... I mean, Josh, it was like Yeshu. Yeshu. It was a short form of Yeshua or Yeshua. Okay, Yeshu. Now, when that was translated into... the excuse me, transliterated into the Greek. The Greek added an S at the end, which they always do. It's like Marcus. I shouldn't say always, but for some reason, the ancient Greek naming convention always, here I said always again, quite commonly, not always, but quite commonly added an S at the end of, of names. Marcus, Lucas, Matthias, Ananias, um, I mean we can go on I mean, there's lots of names like that that has the S the S sound at the end. So the Greek translated transliterated ye, ye, Yesu into Yesus. Yesus, right? And over time, Yesus, okay, yesus was translated, transliterated into the English as Yesus or Yesus. Ye- yesus, Jesus, like this, and over time, the I E S U S became J J E S U S because J is a is a relatively new letter in in the in in English in the uh, the letter J or the the sound of J is not in Hebrew at all, so. The name Jesus was just a, um, basically it evolved over a period of 2,000 years um, to what we have today. But that's how it evolved. So it's, it means the same, it's talking about the same person, means the same thing, more or less. Um, But it's just all these different modifications and modernizations and transliterations that made it go from Yahshua to Jesus. Okay, so verse 24. And they said to Yeshua or Joshua, Truly the Lord has delivered all the land into our hands. For indeed all the inhabitants of the country are faint-hearted because of us. Joshua chapter 3. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove. Again, this would be a Shittim. Shittim. And came to the Jordan, or more accurately pronounced Yarden. Yarden. He and all the, the children of Israel and Lotter and before they crossed over. So it was, after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, you shall set out from your place and go after it. (laughs) Follow the Lord, follow the presence of God here, follow the glory. Verse four, yet there shall be a space between you and it about two 1,000 cubits by measure, that's quite a bit, because one cubit is like a foot and a half. Okay, So 2,000 cubits would be like 3,000 feet. That's a lot. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. Now, again, this reminds me of the story in the days of of David, King David, when uh, Uzzah actually touched the Ark and died. The Lord struck him. Uzzah, um, to to my knowledge, was not a Levite. So he really, the thing with Uzzah, he really, he disobeyed God. He dishonored God. He disrespected God to the point of getting so close to the Ark that he grabs out and and reaches out and actually tries to steady the Ark as as if the Ark is some... You Know something that he needs to do, like it was an act of arrogance, it was an act of disrespect. Um, he shouldn't have touched it at all, he should have just trusted God and just you know it wasn't his place to do that. Um, so that's the reason why he was struck. Verse five and Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Again, notice how. And this this applies today, by the way. This applies today. Sanctify yourself. Um, Consecrate yourself. You see, in my testimony, and I I bring this up often, right? In my testimony, I I went through this book back in August of 1992. I went through another book as well on spiritual warfare. And what i experienced after going through this book is something that i will never forget and has completely changed my life forever okay um and what i've learned is no you don't come you just don't come as you are like that it's not the way is you you never see that's not the way it happens okay you have to consecrate yourselves you have to sanctify yourselves and this book uh, it helped me back back. What was it now? Thirty years ago, um, helped me to sanctify myself. Seven steps to freedom in Christ. Um, getting rid of a lot of different sins and false doctrines, and getting rid of uh, generational curses. Getting rid get of a- getting rid of f- unforgiveness, grudges, um, all kinds of things that you can do to sanctify yourself. And I tell you, you do that. Um, God will honor that. Hey, I mean, if a king is coming to your house, most people, I know there would be, there's the odd, there's the exception, but most people would prepare for it. They wouldn't, uh, they, they wouldn't really feel comfortable with the king coming into their place, to their home. If their home is just a filthy stinking mess. Okay. They want to kind of polish up a little bit. They want to, they want to kind of, you know, clean up a little bit. All right. Because doing so is actually honoring the king. Doing so is respecting the king. It's like, oh, you know, I I, I don't want this this royal character, (laughs) this royal person to come into my home without the home being presentable. Okay, so that's the way it is with the, with with the Lord as well. If they can do it in back in those days, how much more should we we be able to do it today? I mean, we, according to uh, in the Book of Hebrews, is one. There's many. There's other passages as well in the New Testament. Uh, we have more power, uh, more um, clarity. We have the scriptures that they didn't have back in those days okay um remember it says in the book of hebrews if if those who sinned basically died um without mercy and uh, you know with two or three witnesses how much more you know those who basically trample the son of god underfoot or trample the blood of the son of, of the covenant underfoot so um it's a very serious thing, but it is possible to sanctify yourself. It is possible. And, you know, I know there are some times, let me just say this before I move on. I know sometimes it's not, um, some people cannot uh, find freedom from some sin. Some sins are have really overtaken people. They have um, controlled people. Like the sin is the master and the person is the slave. So there are times like that when people just need to come to God and say, you know what, Lord, I have done everything I possibly can, but I still can't be free from this sin. I need your help. In that, in that case, I do believe God is there to help you overcome that sin, uh, to help you to be to be set free, right? God is a God of freedom. Verse 6, then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I find that so interesting. I find that so interesting because it's like God. Is putting his stamp of approval on Joshua. Remember how God put his stamp of approval on Moses? Moses is like, hey, in the in the book of um Exodus at the very beginning, you know, Moses is like, hey, uh, how would they know that you have sent me? Like, I need to you need to you need to um give me some credibility in the eyes of these people. You need to prove to these people that you have sent me i'm not just making this up and so we see this too as well here with joshua verse 8 you shall command the priests who bear the ark of the covenant saying when you have come to the edge of the water of the jordan you shall stand in the jordan you shall stand in the jordan very interesting um let me just say this as well. For, for those of you who are serious, not just following God, the Lord, and, and obeying the commandments of God, but serious about really getting on track and, and really falling into the groove, so to speak, of what God has for you you know, in this life you know it's it's my it's my prayer that all of us if we have the word of god and we present the word of god with accuracy right straight from the lord himself you know it's my prayer that god, that that god would also prove that he that what we're saying is true that it's not just another doctrine that he will back it up, so to speak. He will back up what we do, what we say. He will stand behind it one way or another. He will give us credibility in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of those who think they're part of the church, if I can put it that way. That's my prayer for all you guys. Verse 9. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, I, this is interesting. It says right here Lord is in, you know, capital L, but the rest of the word ORD is in, you know, small letters, not capitals. So that normally in the scriptures, when you see capital L capital O, capital R, capital D, it is um, it's an English representation, I should say, or uh, it's basically based upon the King James translators who put that in there where that is uh, that is really uh, like the English representation of the tetragrammaton, the four-letter name of God, but here we don't have that. We don't have that. So um, we must assume that in the original Greek, or the original Hebrew, excuse me, that the tetragrammaton is not behind this word, not behind this particular word, Lord, here. Verse 12, now therefore take for yourselves twelve men from the, tw- from the tribes of Israel, one man from, eat- from every tribe. And it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord and the, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. That's also very intriguing. It's like, it's like, okay, guys. Um God is going to dry up the Jordan River so that we can cross. But he's not going to dry. You guys just march into it. You've got to put your feet into it. You've got You've got to, you can't just sit back and say, Lord, you move first. No, God's like, you move first. You make the first move. You step out in faith. You trust in me. You believe in me. And when you do, then I will come through. Think about that for a second. God didn't say, I will cut off the waters. You you know, wait until the waters are cut off and then you guys move through. No, you go in, you go, just go. Go, trust me that I will cut off the waters as you walk into the, (laughs) as you walk into the the River Jordan. Very, very interesting. This happens sometimes in our lives. Sometimes we just got to step out. Move on, move forward, move ahead. Trust God, and he will work for us. He will do mighty things on our behalf. Again, verse 14, So it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the Lord, and as those who bore the Ark came to the Jordan, and the feet of the priests who bore the Ark dipped in the edge of the water, for the the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest, that the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away at at Adam. In the in the footnote, uh many manuscripts uh from Adam. Okay. the city that is beside Zarethan. So the waters that went down into the sea of the Ereba, the salt sea failed and were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jer- Jericho. Then the priests who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on the dry ground, on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan and all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. Joshua chapter four. I will get to your comments and your questions in just a moment, guys. Let's let's uh, let's read this. Uh, oh, let me read this first, so we'll get to you guys very shortly. Joshua chapter four. And it came to pass when all all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, "Take for yourselves." Twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them, saying, Take for yourselves twelve stones from here, and be, from from the river bed, basically, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm, you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That he that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you will then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. These and these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Memorial, memorial. Again, we see this concept so many times throughout, uh, throughout the scriptures, how God wants us to remember what he did for us in our lives. God wants us to remember. Never forget where you come from. Never forget what God did for you in your life how he saw you through, how he saved your life, how he saved your soul, and how he sustains you to this day. Joshua chapter 4. And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of, of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged, laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where, where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood. And they are there to this day. So the priests who bore the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua to speak to the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and crossed over. Then it came to pass, when all the people had completely crossed over, that the ark of the Lord and the priests crossed over in the presence of the people. And the men of Reuben, the men of Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh, or Manasseh, crossed over armed before the children of Israel, as Moses had spoken to them. About forty thousand. About 40,000, prepared for war, crossed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they had feared Moses all the days of his life. Then the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the ark of the testimony, to come up from the Jordan. Joshua, therefore, commanded the priests, saying, Come up from the Jordan. And it came to pass, when the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord had come from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet touched the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. Now let me just stop here again, because I think it's little. It's important to have this little footnote in your mind. That that is, figuratively speaking, baptism. So, baptism is not a new thing from the, in the New Testament. It is an old thing, right from the very beginning. God created the whole earth out of water. The the whole earth was baptized, basically, and then baptized again in the days of uh, Noah. Okay. And then, so the children of Israel, when they came out of Egypt, they went through the Red Sea. Figuratively speaking, that is still another baptism. That's baptism. They were all baptized into the Red Sea. I think, let me just see here. Let's see. Yeah, so you know what? Even, uh, even Paul mentioned this in First Corinthians chapter ten, verse two. Uh, he said, oh, uh, "And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea." Right? So that was that was that generation. That generation got baptized in the sea, figuratively speaking, when they went through the Red Sea. Their children didn't, right? So while they were in the wilderness they had children and they all died off then the children except for Joshua and Caleb went through went to the promised land right so the children needed to be baptized and so when they went through just when we we just read this when they all went through the river jordan they were baptized figuratively speaking although they Although they weren't literally baptized, figuratively they were, just in the same way that uh, Paul brought it forth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 2. So, yeah, baptism is something that, that existed from uh, way long before John the Baptist ever got on the scene. In fact, the baptismal, quote-unquote, tanks, the mikvah, um, they say there's archaeological evidence that mikv- the mikvah um, existed before John the Baptist was ever born. So again, um, we have evidence that this was a common thing. This was something that was practiced before John the Baptist was ever born, before Jesus was ever born. Joshua chapter 4, continuing with verse 19, now the people came up from the... Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east of the east border of, of, of Jericho. And those twelve stones, which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the water of the Jordan before you, before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he, which he dried up before, before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that is, that it is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Forever. Joshua chapter 5. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart mounted. Uh, I think mine would too. If I were if I were them, yes, uh, definitely. It's like, wow, these people just, these are the same brood. These are the, this is the same nation that came out of Egypt. Look what happened to Egypt. And they went through the Red Sea. Now it happened to the Jordan and they're on their way into our land. Oh, yeah. I'd be a little bit nervous myself. And there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives for yourself and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint flint knives for himself and circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all the men of war had died in the wilderness on the way after they had come out of Egypt. For all the people who had come out of Egypt had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. So very interesting. Notice that it, they. this is... As a, as a side note here, notice that this is proof that they did this before the Torah was given to Moses. This Before the Torah was given to Moses, they practiced these things. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness, till all the people who were men of war, who came out of Egypt, were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, to, to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had swore to their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons, whom he raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not been circumcised on, on, that, on the way. So it was, when they had finished circumcising all the people, that they stayed in their places in the camp till they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, This day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal. To this day, Gilgal means literally rolling. Rolling. Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month At twilight on the plains of Jericho. And they ate at the they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover, unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day. Then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten produce of the land, and the children of Israel no longer had manna but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year. See how God works. Let me just stop here for a second. See how God works, right? So it's like sometimes God doesn't move because you don't really, really need him to move. Likewise, God may stop moving. May, God may stop doing something for you because it's not It's not like you really, really need it. So God supernaturally gave them manna, for many years. But when they came into the land and they got this, they got another source of food, the man has stopped. And you know, that's basically God picks up at the end of your, if you have circumstances that is just beyond your control, God picks up from there. If you have efforts, or abilities, and you've reached the end of those abilities, God picks up from there. So it's awesome how God works. Verse 13, And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. uh, Keep in mind, Keep in mind that um, whenever it says a man, sometimes, and this is a good example, um, sometimes it means literally an angel, an angel of the Lord. Remember, angels many times appear as human beings. They appear as human beings, or at least like a human being. In, in some ways, so, so much that people don't even know the difference as we read in the book of Hebrews. You know, entertain strangers because a lot of people have entertained angels unawares. So behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? I believe this word "adversaries" in the original Hebrew probably would have something to do with Satan in it. Let's just have a look. Joshua chapter five, verse thirteen. Okay, so looking in the interlinear. Oh no! Actually, this 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 word doesn't. But sar, it means sar, okay? Many times when you see the word adversary, uh, it it means literally uh, from the Hebrew, it's Satan or Satan. Verse 14, so he said, no, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Joshua fell on his face to the Lord and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the army of the Lord's Army said to Joshua, "Take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy." And Joshua did so. okay, this let's just let's just talk about this for just a second here, a moment. Um, so a lot of people. Christians would tell you, a lot of Christians would say, you know, Jesus is God because he accepted worship. People bowed down to him and he did not stop it. But you see like other people, you know, they stopped it when somebody tried to worship them. and said, no, 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 don't worship me. Isn't it interesting how this particular angel did not stop that? Now it says that Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? This particular, for lack of a better word, being did not rebuke Joshua for doing that. Interesting. Interesting. Joshua chapter 6. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Talk about lockdown. <laughs> and the Lord said to Joshua, "See, I have given Jericho into your hand. Its king and and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All of your men, all of, all you men of war, you shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And the and seven priests shall." Uh, shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark um let's see here yeah i've got a ram's horn i got a hey i got a ram's horn w- uh, with me right now so this is what they carried this is what they carried with them this is a ram's horn right here okay so this is what they carried interesting huh? That's what they used. Ram's horn. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns. Ram's horn. Ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout then the wall of the city will fall down flat keep in mind the wall of the city was huge remember rahab lived on the on the wall okay it was huge it was like a, a huge building all of itself basically it was huge and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and let the seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city and let him who is armed advance before the Ark of the Lord. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that The seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before it advanced and blew the trumpets and the ark of the of the covenant of the Lord followed them. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpets and the rear guard came after the ark while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. Now Joshua had commanded the people saying, you shall you shall not shout or make any noise with your voice. Nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, shout, then you shall shout. So he had the ark of the, of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then it came into the camp and lodged in the camp. And Joshua rose early in the morning and the took up the ark of the Lord. Then seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the with the trumpets and the armed men went before them but the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord while the priests continued blowing the trumpets and this day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp so they did 6 days but it came to pass On the seventh day, that they rose early, about the dawning of the day, marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. And the seventh time it happened, when the priest blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout! For the Lord has given you the city. Now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction, it and all who are in it. Only Rahab, the harlot, shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that that we sent. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver, and gold and vessels of bronze and iron consecrated to the Lord, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Okay, let's just stop here for just a moment. These are cursed things. These are cursed things. Are uh, in in other translations, they are called devoted things. Okay, so it's a command of the Lord not to possess these kind of items. In the world of the occult. You would call these items familiar objects. Those who are involved in occultism, in some in witchcraft, they know what familiar objects are. Okay? These are cursed things or devoted things, basically devoted to idols, which basically are devoted to evil spirits, demons, are physical items we don't know exactly what they were all the all of these items, but they're physical material things that had spirits this kind of concept we see throughout we see we we see in the scriptures uh here in Joshua chapter seven um we see it in the book of acts when Paul had Uh, the aprons and handkerchiefs that were taken from his body, laid upon those who were sick and possessed of evil spirits, and evil spirits came out of them. It's like the Spirit of God or the power of God was attached to those material things. So that that idea of having spirits, be it a good spiritual thing, like angels or the Spirit of God being attached to a, a particular object, Or the opposite side, the darker side of things, uh, being attached to a a physical material object. This is real, folks. This is real. Uh, If you want to know a little bit more about this, if you want to research a little bit more into this, and I'm not going to do this tonight, but if you look up cellular memory... Cellular memory is one thing to research. Body they, in, another another um, way of body memory is another thing too. Cellular memory or body memory is the same kind of same kind of concept. Okay, like they they train a long a long flatworm to go through a um, a maze. Okay, and so they train this flatworm to do it. Then they cut off its head, basically. They cut off its brains. They cut it right down to the very smallest piece that they, to the smallest that they could cut off everything from this worm. You know, they cut it down as small as possible before it dies because this worm grows everything back again, okay? So after they cut off its brain, so to speak, it grows back again with the same memory. It's, it's very interesting. Um, so. Things can have spiritual depth to them. So how can something m- retain memory without a brain? We must say it's got to be spiritual. It's got to it's, it's be spiritual. How can something retain memory without a brain? We see, um, and you'll hear people who have received implants organ implants and they take in some of the characteristics of the person that that came from they they acquire um some of the tastes uh some of their some it's, it's it sounds weird i know very super weird but uh not only that but there is a story of a woman who was brutally murdered and they, they didn't know who did it, but they, um, she did it. Like her, they took one of her organs, and I guess she wanted her her organs to be um, donated. Um, and so, the the recipient of this organ had um, dreams, nightmares after they got this organ in them. Right, they had nightmares. Of this car with this license plate. And they just kept on having this recurring dream over and over again. Finally, the police actually thought, well, maybe there's something to it. And because of that, they actually tracked down the murderer. They said cellular memory in that sense, where it's like physical objects. So this is something that we read in the Tanakh. We read in the New Testament. It's a it's it's a it's important thing. When you get serious with the Lord, clean your house, clean your home. Of anything that should not be there. Books, music, clean your computer, movies, okay? Posters, pictures, idols, whatever the case is. It's very important to do that. Because if you don't, Sometimes it can be th- those things can give the enemy legal ground in your home. And we'll read about that just in just, in, in just a moment here as we read on. But those things are like accursed things, or devoted things. So this is a command of Joshua. To the people, and you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord; they shall become, they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the the wall fell down flat. Remember, this wall is like a huge building. It was just like a, uh, it was a building, really. It's like an apartment building. They were rahab on it, or in it. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed, all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey, with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said in the two to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house, and from there bring out the woman and all that she has, as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all, all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel, and they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's house, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent out, sent to spy out Jericho. Then Joshua charged them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with, with his firstborn. As youngest, he shall set, it up, set up its gates. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout all the country. Joshua chapter 7. But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, Achan, Achan the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Yehudah, Judah, took of the accursed things. He took these things that they shouldn't be taking, ungodly things, things that were devoted to another god, idol, so on and so forth. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avan, the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai and they returned to Joshua and said to him do not let all the people go up but let ab- about 2 or 3000 men go up and attack A- Ai do not weary all the people there for the people of Ai are few so 3000 men went up there from the people but they fled before the men of Ai and the men of Ai struck down about fixed men. For they chased them from before the gate as far as Shabarim and struck them down on the, on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people mounted and became like water. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads, and Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, Again, this God in capitals is probably the, um, yeah, here it is, the Yod Hey Wow Hey, um, the Tetragrammaton. Okay, and the reason why they got God here instead of Lord because I guess it would sound weird to go Lord Lord, but Lord God. Why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all, to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Now, very interesting. Let me just kind of interject here. Notice during the conquest, they were it's one victory over another victory over another victory over another victory. They're always getting victory. Everybody was afraid of them. Everybody was running away from them. They were they were they were just success after success after success. They were surprised when they lost. They were surprised when it seemed like the men of Ai were. You know, it struck down 38 men and chased them. They were surprised. What happened? Notice today, a lot of Christians are the opposite, right? They're the opposite. It's like they're so used to being defeated. They're so used to being on the, being under. It's like if all of a sudden, boom, they they gain a great victory, then they're surprised. Wow, now I got a victory. It shouldn't be that way. It should not be that way should always be victorious, always be victorious and successful in everything you do. Verse 10, so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Why do you lie thus on your face? Israel has sinned. As always, when you got something bad that happens to you, when something bad happens to you, you got to ask yourself, where did I go wrong? What happened here? Did I disobey God somewhere? Did I do that that would cause, that would give the enemy legal ground to do what he's doing here in my life? So the Lord said to Joshua, Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed accursed things. Accursed things here in the footnote says devoted, devoted things devoted to idols, and have both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies. Notice how serious it is when you have a thing you might think, you might say to yourself, "But it's just a thing. It's just a piece of wood. It's just a piece of metal. It's just a whatever. It just, it's just a thing. So what?" Um, but you notice how serious it is. That one thing or those accursed things can bring a lot of grief, and that's what happened here. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turn their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people today, and nations today, by the way, that are doomed to destruction. Um, You know, that's just, they need to repent and turn back to God. Neither will I be with you anymore. Oh, that is a serious, I mean, think about that. Think about God saying this to you. Think about the Lord saying this to you. I'm not going to be with you anymore. Bye. See ya. That's serious. Unless you destroy the accursed from among you, the devoted things, the familiar objects. Get up. Sanctify the people. Here we go again. Get the people ready. Sanctify them. Consecrate them. In the footnotes, set them apart. Sanctify the people and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst, O Israel. You think about this. These are millions of people. Millions of people, and God finds one thing. Costs 38 lives and much heartache. One thing. There is an accursed thing in your midst. In your midst, O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought before, excuse me, brought according to your tribes. And it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which, which the Lord takes shall come by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has, because he has tra- transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful Thing in Israel, so Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. Now, what does it mean "taken"? Well, they cast lots. This is again so intriguing. It's so interesting. Sometimes God spoke directly to to Moses, to Joshua, to other people throughout history. Sometimes he spoke directly to these people, but sometimes he didn't. Sometimes they they had to cast lots in order to find out what the Lord is saying here. Who is it? God chose and he he, he chooses to show people through, you would call it, I guess you would say more of a practical way. It's almost like rolling a die. It's almost like rolling a die, the casting of lots. Like, Lord, you pray and just roll the die and, and see where it lands. I think about today how there are so many people in the Christian world who th- walk around. I've made a few videos of this recently where they feel like, are they that not that they feel like, but they claim and they actually believe that, that God is... Talking to them all the time, like, like like you know, always talking to them, talk 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 talk. You know, like the the uh, like the Holy Spirit is speaking to them all the time. I actually know somebody who he tried to raise money. And this is this. I know this sounds. This is actually this is not good at all. This is very very detestable, abominable and to me. It's very abominable what he did, but. um, he went to a charismatic church that taught that the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you know, all the day God gives you visions and all that all the time, basically, basically whenever you want. And he's like, well, if you give me $20, I'll prophesy over you for five minutes. If you give me $50, I'll prophesy over you for 15 minutes. Give me a hundred dollars. I'll prophesy over you for a, a half an hour. It's like, it's like, don't do that, man. Just why? Why? Like you think God is some kind of like gum machine, you just put in your money and out comes the prophecy? Like, what's what's up with that? Even the disciples and the leaders of the church back in the book of Acts didn't didn't claim to hear from the Holy Spirit at all. They they cast lots. find out who was to replace Judas. They cast lots. And that's how God worked and still does work in in similar ways. He doesn't always talk to people like that. Just an interesting little side note. So that's what they did here in Joshua chapter 7 to find out who had this accursed thing. Who had this accursed thing? The Lord could have spoke to Joshua right there and said, Joshua, such and such a man from such and such a tribe in this tent, in this box, is the accursed thing. And that's not what the Lord did. He chose to operate in a different way. So be aware. Sometimes God operates in different ways. And And God is much more practical than you think he is. Is a very practical God. He created the practical world. That's what it means by taken, taken by lots, basically. It's casting of lots, similar to casting dice, throwing dice, I guess you would call it, um, similar to that. Um, and so that's how the Lord showed. Joshua, who this man was. And uh, he brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the Zarahites, And he brought the family of the Zarahites man by man, and Zabdi was taken. And he brought the household, his household, man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Yehudah, was taken. Notice how much they, they really trusted in doing it this way in like the casting of lots and how God spoke in this way. Uh, They they trusted it so, so much. And God, God honored that. God honored that. Excuse me. Uh, Verse 19. Now Joshua said to Achan, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I've done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. So, Yeshua sent messengers, and they ran tent. And there, there it was, hidden in his tent, with the silver under it. And they took from them, uh, they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to, to Yeshua, or Joshua, and to all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the, Uh, The silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Echor. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Then they raised over him a great heap of stones. Still there to this day. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of that place has been called the Valley of Achor to this day. To this day. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so... um, Yes, I'm going to be taking your questions, your comments. Uh, just in the in just a minute, in, in just a few minutes. In the meantime, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to ask Hannah to come back to the keyboard, play a few minutes. I will be back in a matter of just a few minutes to answer all your questions and comments. Remember to put the at Christopher uh, in the question or the comment um, to get my attention. I will specifically be looking for those comments. In the live chat okay so hannah is with us and she'll play for a few minutes and we will be right back Okay, guys, thank you for your patience. And thank you, Hannah. That is a very beautiful, beautiful piece that you played. Awesome, awesome. So let me get to your uh, comments in the live chat. Um, Amanda says, Shalom all. Shalom, Amanda. Good to see you. Paulina says, "Why did they kill everyone?" According to Joshua six twenty one, you notice sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. Um, I, I, to answer that question is actually it's uh, depending on the circumstance. I depending on who it was, certain people. I, I suppose according to the uh, the scriptures uh, had more of a uh, it was posed more of a threat uh than other people um i it reminds me of a video that i saw um a couple years ago of a man who went around and asked people if if they if they lived in the early 1900s if if they would if and if they had the ability to um wipe out Hitler with his with the you know wipe out Hitler and his family or whatever uh, a lot of people almost everybody said yes um, you know basically yeah i think i'd do it you know considering who he was what he was like you know what would become of him this kind of thing uh so i mean we don't know exactly what what was up with these people and why the scriptures said that s- certain people sometimes were saved while other times um They were not like sometimes it said, just, just wipe out all the men and then take the women and the children as we've read before. Um, And sometimes it says, just wipe them all out. Uh, Whatever the case is, it depends on the circumstance and how serious, uh, how deep that spiritual um, impurity defilement ran in the people. I mean, we see that even God himself did that Um, like in the days of Noah uh, in the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, yeah. So even God himself did that from time to time. So I, I guess it would just depend on the seriousness and the, the depth of the sin in these people's lives. Sometimes they just, they're beyond repair. They're beyond repair, uh, unfortunately. So that's really the best, um, the best way I can answer that, uh, Pauline, that's an excellent question. Thank you for asking. Jordan says, Shalom all. Shalom, Jordan. Good to see you. Going Nowhere asks, um, do you think the enemy can do miracles well to deceive people? Uh, we see a very uh, interesting example of the devil doing miracles in the days of Moses. Before Pharaoh, you know, they, they had Jannes and Jambres, basically the sorcerers uh, of, of Pharaoh, the sorcerers of Egypt. And, uh, you know, they were able to reproduce, you know, a good third of the miracles that were performed. Some miracles they could not, they could not do, they could not replicate. Other miracles they could. So yes, the devil could, or the enemy could do miracles, To deceive people, and he has uh, all along. Actually, he has. Uh, We have to be very careful that we we know the difference between uh, the miracles of the enemy and the miracles of God, and we got to be very careful not to render or blaspheme the Lord either when it when we think it's the devil. Uh, a lot of people think things are the are the devil and really it's God and perhaps even vice versa. So we have to be very careful, very, very careful, very wise. Uh, a good way of testing it is what we read in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 13, verses one through five. You know, anybody who turns you away from the commandments of God, anybody who dilutes or, um, contradicts the commandments of god is definitely someone who's not of god uh not a spirit of god uh, that would do that anybody who would prophesy that something would happen and it doesn't happen that is not of god Uh, so those are the uh really primary ways to to tell who uh which prophet is of god and which prophet is not of god thank you for asking going nowhere Going nowhere, ask the question, does God love everyone or does he love, only love those who are in Christ? How do you define love? How do you define love? Uh, That's how I'll, you know, I'll ask you, let me ask you that first. Love can be very, very ambiguous thing, right? Some people could think that love means that they, that, you know, You know, if you love me, you'll give me, you know, $5 billion because I know you have it. You'll love me. So, I mean, how do you define love? What do you mean by that? Another question from Going Nowhere says Do you believe in once saved, always saved? Absolutely not. It's the most, one of the most deceptive and hell damning doctrines. Of all time, it's very, very clear. If you read in, um, for example, Ezekiel chapter eighteen, if you lived all of your life right before the Lord, if you if you always were in, in line with the with the instructions of God with the Torah, and then you in the last few days of your life, or the last few hours of your life, for that matter, the last few weeks of your life, whatever, um, the last part of your life, you turn from your from righteousness and you do wickedness. You will not be saved. God will look at you as if you've done wickedness all your life. He won't even remember the goodness, the good things. He won't. He won't even remember the things that that would pertain to salvation. You. You just. You know. So yeah, it, there, There's a lot more to that, but yeah, it's. It's very clear throughout Scripture that's the case. Uh, H.P. says, "I don't know if you answered or not, but I, I, actually, I, I did answer." Uh, i'll I'll wrap I'll, in a nutshell i'll I'll give you the answer again um how does one meditate on things in a biblical christian way it's not so meditating in a, in a say like in a yoga way or an occultic way in a in a according to the world, is basically just kind of zoning out your mind and that kind of thing. That's not what meditating on the Scriptures means. That's not what meditating on the Lord means. Meditating on the Scriptures means to think about, to 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 take, you can take a verse, and you can meditate on a verse. How do you meditate on it? You read the verse, you take it at face value, and then you can ask questions to yourself about it. Okay, so what is what's the context of this? In the text, the textual context, and then you can read the text around it. You can read the chapter before, the chapter after, the the verses before, the verses after, and and meditate upon what did this what did this author really mean? So never ask the question, "What did this uh, what does it mean to me?" No, that's not the way we should read the Bible. What did it mean to them when they wrote it? That's what. We should really be studying. What did that mean to them? For example, when Paul said, when Paul said all, all scripture is given by inspiration of God, what did that mean to him? Certainly didn't mean his own letters. His own letters were simply just personal letters. He was, he was writing to Timothy at the time, it meant that what was considered to be scripture in those days was the Tanakh, right? And so, to meditate on 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 the Word of God and to meditate on the Lord is to is to think just to just to really think about things, think 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 things through. Take it, you know, face value like shallow, and then go deeper. What is it? What does it really mean according in the text? You can go deeper, deeper still. What does it mean in the cultural context? Start researching the culture of the the um the author back in the day when the author lived. meditating can also well want to be very accurate here in what I say. Um, yeah, meditating on the word is really just mulling it over in your mind. looking at it from every different angle you can think about. Think about it a lot. Compare it with other scriptures. How does this fit in the big picture? How, like, you know, connect the dots, so to speak. Right. So that's it. Just simply means to think about, think about the Word of God. Think about the scriptures that you're reading. HP very similar to the question that Paulina asked, and that is, when it comes to men like Korah and Ankin, why is the whole family and all the animals killed with the men who sinned? Yes, very similar. Um, sometimes they are, sometimes they're not uh, we the only thing we can say and the only thing we can it, it doesn't give us all of these specific details so we just we can just speculate so why did God? wipe out the entire family i think it's the same reason why did god wipe out the entire cities of sodom and gomorrah and zoar and all the other all the other cities around there which we don't really hear much of but god wiped them all out too And i think the answer would be because the sin ran so deep the pollution and defilement the spiritual wickedness The roots of those of that spiritual wickedness was just so deep, that's the only way that it could be purged. So, uh, yes, tonight we are a little bit earlier than usual, so I'm going to wrap it up right now. Thank you very much, HP, going nowhere. Thank you very much, um, Paulina, for your questions. Yeah, so. I'm, I'll be back Lord willing tomorrow night same time same place we will pick up uh, the Book of Joshua again Book of Joshua as you as you see is super super interesting so yes um, I wanted to make it early night tonight as always thank you guys for asking the questions thank you for your comments thank you for your fellowship 1 John 2 26 says thanks Christopher good night thank you. Blessing multiplied to you, brother. All right. So, yes, uh, don't forget, you guys, um, Lord willing, we'll have uh, Onea with us on Saturday. It's the first time he is joining us on Shabbat. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a very, very interesting, um, very, very interesting live stream. Uh, he's got a lot to say uh, about lots of different things. And I mean, it's good to hear all kinds of different. Viewpoints of of, uh, our different brothers and sisters, right? Lord willing, we will also have another brother with us as well. Uh, It is uh, it's a brother from South Africa. Uh, He's never been on before, and um, so he will be joining with us as well. Lord willing, on Saturday, so we have kind of like a panel: be myself, Onea, and this other brother. His name is Jason. And we'll be talking amongst ourselves. We will just hanging out, discussing things. Man, eh, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking about different things. Things that we see eye to eye on. Things we maybe we don't see eye. Whatever. I mean, we'll have a great discussion regardless. Um, and I, I have these guests on because I think it's very important to to hear everybody out and to you know, hear the different sides, uh, the different viewpoints. And so. Yes, uh, basic. basically we'll be penciling in some subjects like the Apocrypha would be one. Perhaps we'll get into the food laws, definitely talking about the Torah, the commandments, and so on and so forth. Definitely taking your questions and your comments as well. Um, and uh, yes, if there's any question or comment that you think that you'd like to ask all three of us, well... Take note of it. Write it down, and join us on Saturday, uh, Saturday afternoon. I'm not sure where it would what time it would be where you are, but Saturday afternoon where I am, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern, and uh, we'll be there doing that. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting, uh, a very interesting day. I think we'll all learn things, and we'll all have fun. Right? We'll have fun in the Lord. Have a great time. I think that's what they did back in the days of Acts. I don't think that they were, uh, they were uh, bored. I don't think they were bored at all in the book of Acts. I think they were having a great time. And so Lord willing, we'll have a great time on Saturday on Shabbat. Amen. Uh, So tomorrow is Thursday already. Wow. Thursday already is tomorrow. Um, Then we go into air of Shabbat on Friday. Yeah, so it's going to be very interesting. We're going to get into more of the book of Joshua and see what God would have us to learn uh, in Joshua. Amen. Going Nowhere says, Many blessings to you, Christopher. Have a good night. You too, as well. Blessings multiplied to you. Thank you very much. Okay, guys, I'll see you again tomorrow night, same time, same place, 7 p.m. Eastern. Picking up where we left off and having. A great fellowship as always. You guys are awesome as always. Thank you for joining. Thank you for your fellowship. Thank you for your questions and your comments. Make sure you share the video. You got anybody that that, uh, would be interested in viewing, make sure you share share the video. And we'll see you again tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Amen. And as always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. See you tomorrow.